Building a business is hard. Maintaining healthy relationships with those that you care about is hard. Staying fit and healthy in your body, your mind, and your emotions is hard. This podcast is about finding and sharing tools, strategies, and experiences that may help you to achieve and maintain moderate success in your life, whatever that means to you. There is a ton of content created by the billionaires, the ultra-successful athletes, and by people that are at a level that the vast majority of us will just never get to. And if you're anything like me, I'm totally okay with that. This is a place where we talk about how to build a great business, but not necessarily a massive one. A place to talk about how we build a life that is balanced and integrated, but not necessarily optimized to levels that are not realistic for most of us. In short, it's a place where we explore how to be moderately successful. The work will always remain yours, and for the most part, it's simple, but not easy. I want to challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. I want to challenge you to take whatever resonates with you from this episode and to teach it to somebody that you think will benefit from it, and to do so in the next 24 hours. This will embed the learnings for yourself, and you'll be helping someone else as well as the podcast. Lastly, please share this with whoever you think needs to have this in their lives. The more reach we can get, the more impact we can have. With that said, let's get into it. Hey guys, today I want to talk about what I've titled the episode is, is practical resilience. And what I mean here is, I would be surprised if anyone doesn't know what resilience is, but how do we practically integrate this into our business lives as a leader, as a management team, leadership team? How do we bring in a practice and culture of resilience and what I mean by that is to share a bunch of really practical things that I have used and do use. This evolves all the time, as with everything that I do. But let me give you some context around this. So, um, <laughs> you know, my last few days have been pretty intense. It was supposed to be the first week that I was able to fully focus on this new business that I've created, SMB Mastery, uh, after finishing up the end of the acquisition and, and, and this very big sort of change in my life and really excited, tons of things to that I had planned and lots of things that I needed to do. And then on Friday evening, my wife had a pretty, pretty crazy freak accident. She tripped and fell at home just in the most ridiculous, bizarre way with our little two-year-old and she fell very badly and she's she's really hurt herself. She's broken bones and lots of blood and and she's completely out of action and what this means is that you know we've got a toddler so it basically means that i'm full-time dadding full-time looking after everyone at home and, and basically pretty much unable to do much work and you know like mike tyson says everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face and this is us getting punched in the face right and it, it's a really tough situation it's a shitty situation for all of us but it is what it is and i'll be completely honest with you i've been pretty crap at how i've responded to this over the last let's say two of the three days. And then I'd say today I've kind of come into a good space and that's what I want to talk about today. Like what does that mean and, and, and how do you get there, right? And I've really been thinking about this because this is like, it's not a separate thing to business for me at all. Like this resilience stuff is not like a life thing and then you have like a business thing. To me, this stuff has to be integrated and it is integrated. I think it's insane to try and say you want to work life balance. I don't think that exists anymore. I think it's more about for me anyway, how do I integrate these two things into each other so that there's not overwhelm all the time and there's not burnout. But I think it's a little bit unrealistic with cell phones and, and what have you to have a complete like separation. People who can do that, I'm always very envious of. I, I certainly can't. So I don't even try to do that anymore. I try to integrate it. 
So really what today is about is I'm just going to share a few, not all of them because there's lots, but I, I want to just try and share a few really practical things that help me to be more resilient. And what that does is to help me to be, I'm not even going to talk too much about the personal side of things and like family life. I'm going to talk more about the business orientation, but how this stuff has helped me to be a better leader, a better manager, build better businesses, create better results because Business is people doing stuff with people. And if we're not resilient in ourselves as leaders, we can forget about leading in the right ways and creating resilient teams and resilient businesses. So as a founder of multiple businesses and through the work that I do with founders and leadership teams, I've experienced and seen my fair share of founder tension, burnout, mental health strain, and all of this stuff still kind of seems to be treated as like other like as in not the business work so when i'm sitting creating okrs and doing that sort of stuff it's like the stuff never features it's always the metrics of the business and that's it and that's not wrong i'm not saying we should go and create okrs or rocks or goals that are purely around like mental health and resilience but we really i believe we need to bring the conversation into like one of the things that we have to do almost as a core capability in business is build resilience and build the ability to as people hold these spaces healthily so that we can deliver amazing results and strong OKRs. And I think it's becoming more accepted, but it's not accepted enough yet. So I can also tell you that when I have done the work to build more sustainable resilience in my own role as a founder and a leader, I've been able to show up way more effectively and meaningfully and creatively to guide the business through tough times. Um, and I've seen this in other people as well. I've experienced it in myself and I've witnessed it in, in others. And I'm, I'm really convinced of this stuff. So like I said a little earlier, my intention today is to share some tools, not all of them, that work for me when things start getting really tough and when the overwhelm and the anxiety and the doubt kicks in. These things work very well for me. And as always, quite literally, every single one of them comes from a far more reliable, believable, incredible source than, than me. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm none of these things. So... Everything I talk about today comes from various sources. Some of the sources that I lean on the most here, which I'll talk about a bit later, are Eckhart Tolle. His work has been foundational. I'll speak to that later. Andrew Huberman, who comes at this from a very science lens, and, and that's really interesting because Eckhart Tolle certainly isn't science-based, but I really like getting the, the two sides of things. In fact, I'll just leave those two. Like Those are two amazing sources for, for this kind of stuff. So yeah, this is really just about me sharing what works for me, and let's get into it. So the first thing that I want to share today is just to have the discipline and courage to just sort of stop when you're in this sort of situation and take an hour or however long you need to just get really brutal and real about the situation. There is a process that I take my leadership teams that I work with through that I call the Brutal Truths Exercise. And this comes from and is inspired by a bunch of things. It comes from Jim Collins's work on what he calls the Stockdale Paradox, or rather what he discovered as the Stockdale Paradox. It's prevalent in Viktor Frankl's work in the beautiful and harrowing book called Man's Search for Meaning. And essentially, this process is about taking a step back, getting really courageous and vulnerable, and writing down the brutal truths around your reality right now. So what are the things in your business or the situation right now that are not easy to acknowledge, that are not easy to say out loud, that are there, but you don't really want to admit they're there, but that if they are solved or we begin working on them, really begin to change the reality of your business and to address the root cause problems of your business. 
But this exercise is not about self-flagellation and just doing that. This exercise is about doing that and getting really real about the brutal, uncomfortable, hard truths about the reality. But at the same time, to not allow yourself to spiral and to hold the deep conviction and confidence that we will be okay. We will get through this. We will prevail. So it's having a very healthy, balanced view of going, okay, there are some things that are really bad. That's just how it is. Whether or not we acknowledge that, that's the case. But at the same time to go, okay, we can address these things. We will address these things. And ultimately, we will get through this. We will prevail. Jim Collins discovered that this was a key trait of the great leaders. And Viktor Frankl speaks about this in terms of the people that it survived, just the most in- incredibly terrible situations. So, so that's kind of like the first thing. It's really scary often. Often at this stage, you're kind of spiraling. You're very anxious. You're very, you might even be like in despair. But to just kind of stop and go, okay, I'm going to confront this full on. I'm going to try not to judge it. I'm just going to take myself through a process that gets everything out in front of me and we lay it out. And I'm going to try my best to not allow my brain to spiral and to go, wow, this is scary and this is intense. But at the same time, you know what? I'll get through this. Lots of people have gotten through these kind of things before. I have conviction that I'll get through this. Okay, so now you have this kind of list in front of you, this list of these brutal truths, these uncomfortable truths in front of you that are there whether you like it or not. But now you're just calling them out and you're giving them a name and you're actually like looking at them on a screen or a piece of paper. I won't go into too much detail here, but until you've done this, you're really not likely to be focused on what the things are that you can actually do that A, will have a big impact on the situation, but B, that are actually inside of your control. So some of these things you're going to look at and you're going to go, wow, that's not cool. That's scary. That's brutal. But you know what? I can actually do something about that. I can address that. I can take action to solve that. Other things you're going to look at that and go, wow, this is brutal. And it's got absolutely, there's nothing I can do to impact this. So I'm not even going to try because it's literally completely outside of my control. So until you've done this, it's really difficult to get clear about the actions you need to take to actually start improving things. So this is something that I find helps enormously. It's a scary exercise. It's a vulnerable exercise and it takes courage, but that's what leadership is, right? It's about having the courage to do the things that a lot of people won't do. So now we've got this list in front of us. We can now begin to actually divide these things up into like, is this actually going to make an impact and slash or do I actually have influence here? Can I actually influence this or do I need to just stop trying to because I can't? The next thing which... This is not going to be news to anybody, but I really cannot stress this enough. But like when you're in these really difficult situations, this is not the time to drop your healthy habits. And this is probably the thing that I see the most is that people get into this like, yeah, cool story, Mike. Like, you know, it'd be great if I did all these things right now, but right now I just need to get through this. I cannot disagree with that enough. This is the time when these healthy habits matter more than they ever will. This is the time where they actually move the needle. So this is really difficult because it does require, it requires discipline and it actually is often feels counterintuitive. You're in this kind of really stressed state. It's really tough. You're trying to sort of get over or through an obstacle that makes you probably work longer hours, et cetera, et cetera. And yet here's me saying, no, no, this is the time where you really need to lean into these healthy habits. And it really is like, to me, I'm absolutely convinced of this. So what do I mean by healthy habits, right? For me, it's about getting the basics in place. And what are the basics? For me, the basics are just a handful of things. It's sleep, exercise, meditation, and don't consume alcohol, right? There's some sort of 
second order things underneath that. But those four things to me are like are the fundamentals. You'll know what your fundamentals are. And a cool way to think about this actually, at least for me it is, is that there is a lot of literature now out on this and sleep is the thing. Without good sleep, I wouldn't say I'm wasting my time with everything else, but everything else is just harder and worse and more difficult. So for me, I almost think about this as the fundamentals are getting me to be able to sleep better because when I sleep better in these states, everything becomes easier. I have more energy. I can actually think. My anxiety doesn't go crazy. So I almost think about like exercise, meditation, and not drinking alcohol are in service of getting better sleep and it creates like a positive loop, right? So when I say exercise, like for me, when I'm in these states, it's critically important that I'm getting at least about half an hour's worth of exercise. Usually for me, that looks like riding, cycling, indoor, outdoor. But for some reason, when I'm in a really stressed state, running and the simplicity of running is just the thing that does it for me. And it's also deeper impact. So I'll go for a run. Even right now in this really difficult time, stressed time, I'll figure out how to go for a run every day. And it'll be somewhere between 25 minutes and an hour, depending on how much time I can get out. I don't really care how fast I'm running in this state. I don't really care how far I'm running this state. It's really about time. While I'm running, this is a good time to sort of segue into into content consumption, right? I'll, I'll get more into this later. But while I'm running, it's kind of important to me that what I'm listening to is really going to be constructive. So for me, and this doesn't necessarily work for everyone, this is not a time to get like distracted. This is a time to do the work with a capital T, right? And for me, it's about putting on content that is going to help my mental state through this time. So it's not the time for me to listen to music. It's not even the time for me to listen to a good audiobook, like a general business audiobook. This is the time for me to listen to very specific, deliberate content that's going to help shift my perspective from what's generally quite negative and fear-based into something constructive and curiosity and optimistic-based. And I'll speak more about that content a little bit later. So be deliberate about what content you're consuming if you're going for a run. If you don't run, go for a walk. Like Just get moving. The next thing is meditation. To me, this is just so incredibly fundamental. Another thing I'll share here is that for me, the difference between a 10-minute meditation and a 15-minute meditation is absolutely massive. Like it, It's huge. The value that I get in that last five minutes is exponentially higher. I don't know why. I don't know what that does to my brain, but it's incredibly valuable. If you don't like meditation, if you for some reason have some kind of aversion to it, you can go to YouTube and just try a breathing technique called 478. It's in for four breaths, hold for seven breaths, out for eight breaths. I find that incredibly useful. It activates the parasympathetic nervous system, deactivates the sympathetic nervous system, which in my very limited understanding is basically shifting your brain from the fight or flight mode into the rest and digest mode. So it's just literally shifting your brain into a better state to reduce the panic. If you want some really practical stuff with meditation, you know, the apps that I think are the best are Waking Up, Headspace, and Calm, but they're all paid for. If you want to just use YouTube, the channel I like the most on YouTube is called Declutter the Mind. I just, for some reason, I just like that dude's voice and, and their take on it. This is not a sponsor or anything. This is just the sources that I, I like. So every day I need to be meditating at least once. When I'm in a super stress state, I try to meditate two or three times a day. It just builds the muscle of resilience, like mental resilience for me. But this is not the time to be dropping a meditation practice. This is when you need it more than ever. We need to bring that rest into our process from our brain. Even if it doesn't feel like it at the time, even if 
you sit down for your meditation, your mind just races and races and races and races. Just being able to bring it back to the breath and bring it back to presence once or twice is incredibly useful and powerful for your brain and to get back into a state where you can actually solve problems and, and be creative. Alcohol consumption, I mean, I don't drink a lot anyway, but this is definitely not the time to drink. And that's so hard, right? Because you have a hard day, you like you just want to get home and maybe have a couple of glasses of wine or a couple of beers to just take the edge off. And the thing is, like the insidious thing is it does that, right? It absolutely does take the edge off. But it comes at a cost. And to be specific, the cost that it comes at is sleep. So you take the edge off in the short term and you think it's better in the short term. But what it does is it it's going to drastically decrease the quality of your sleep. And as I said in the beginning, I'm now pretty convinced that it's kind of all about sleep. So you're trading off short-term relief, which is not real. It's, it's masked by alcohol. It's not actually helping you. And you're giving up quality sleep, which is the stuff that actually does help you. So as tempting as it is, this is not the time to be drinking alcohol. For me as well, there's like a discipline thing here and that I don't know what, you know, this is maybe not for everyone, but when I'm able to practice more discipline in these heightened states of anxiety and worry and stress, it helps me to hold my other practices better. So if you can, like this is the time to avoid alcohol. The next thing I want to move on to is a, is a concept that I've spoken about a few times, which comes from Sam Harris, the author of Waking Up, and uh, which is a book and an app, meditation app. He's, he's an amazing human being. And he sort of gives this concept of giving yourself permission to, to just begin again. And I just absolutely love this because the way I've interpreted, interpreted this is that especially when you're supposed to be in a role where you like you have your shit together or, or you're an expert or you're supposed to be this amazing leader or this amazing manager or this amazing su subject matter expert, you're not always going to have the answers. You're not always going to have your shit together. And no one else necessarily is going to give you the permission to just begin again. When I heard this, it was such a massive shift in my brain. It shifted the way that I parent and how I, like, I'm really hard on myself if, if, if I step out of line as being like the perfect parent. I'm really hard on myself when I step out of line and anything to do with business. And this concept of going, Jesus, okay, you were pretty crap today, Mike, but you know what? It's fine because tomorrow you can just begin again. Even if it is at something that you're supposed to be an expert at, right? If you're a CEO, if you're a founder, if you're a subject matter expert and you make a mistake or you don't have the answers or your business is in trouble, give yourself permission to just go, tomorrow, I'm just going to begin again. I'm going to try and solve that sales problem tomorrow again with fresh eyes. I'm going to try and solve that product problem tomorrow with fresh eyes. It's quite an amazing thing that happens when you give yourself permission to just start again. No one has to know about this. This is just for you, but it helps me enormously. If I lose my temper and scream at my daughter, you know, I feel terrible about it. It grates me, but shifting from self-flagellation and really negative self-talk to going, okay, that was pretty bad, Mike, but you know what? You can just begin again. It allows me to go to my daughter and say like, hey, I was really bad. I shouted at you like that. I am sorry. That was not your fault. I'm going to work on myself and I'm going to begin again and I'm going to try again. And it can actually have an amazing impact on your kids in that context. I don't know if you'd want to speak to your staff or your team in the same way, but doing the same thing will, will have a, a really positive impact. So that's the next one is just give yourself permission to just begin again and do it as often as you need to. For me, when I get in these states, sometimes I've got to do this every single day. And yet it's helpful because it gives me almost like a renewed focus and a renewed energy and this renewed permission, right? The next one is 
a journaling technique. And this is an interesting one because I don't actually like journaling. I don't actually have a daily journaling practice. I find it tedious. I find it quite boring. I don't actually find it particularly useful. I come back to it every now and then, a couple of times a year, and then I drop it. When I do find it useful is when I'm in this really heightened state. And I want to give you some very specific journaling prompts, which help me. They might not help you. But as I said, this is not my daily journaling practice. I don't have a daily journaling practice, but this is when things are really going really tough. And I'm in this kind of heightened, anxious, fearful, stressed state, right? So generally at the end of the day, before I kind of quote unquote, finish my work day, which I don't <laughs> ever really do in my brain, but you know, let's say from a material perspective, there's six things that I'll generally sort of prompt myself on. So the first one is, what could I have done better today? This is not about being hard on yourself. This is about objective evaluation. I could have had that conversation better. I could have not been so distracted. I could have lent more deeply into this thing. So just an objective, non-judgmental, what could I have done better today? And you try to take that into tomorrow. The next thing is, what did I do well today? What can I celebrate? Did I have a good conversation? Did I make any progress somewhere, anywhere? Did I unlock anything? Did I manage my anxiety better today? Did I follow a process or discipline that I usually don't? So just, just literally reflect, what did I do well today? The third one is back to the begin again concept. What do I give myself permission to begin again at tomorrow? So, you know, some common things in business are sales problems or staff problems or product problems or client problems, whatever the case may be. Like, what do I give myself permission to just begin again tomorrow? So you don't give up. It's not about giving up. You don't give up in these things. But you also don't compound doing the wrong things. And having a view of saying, what can I begin again, might give you a shift in perspective to try something differently and better, etc. The fourth prompt is, what is the one big thing that I need to achieve tomorrow? If you want to, you can go and Google a productivity sort of process. I think it comes from Oliver Berkman, who wrote 4,000 Weeks. I think it comes from him. It's called the 333. The way that I describe the 333 is, is, is the following. What is the one big thing that I need to achieve tomorrow? In brackets, spend three hours on. So that's the first three. What is the one big thing that I need to achieve tomorrow? Brackets, three hours. The next question is, what are three smaller tasks that I need to do tomorrow? So list the three smaller tasks that might take you 20 minutes each or whatever the case may be. So not massive things, but three smaller tasks. And then the last three out of the 333 are, what are three maintenance things that I need to do to keep the machine running? The machine being me, my body, my mental health, right? So these maintenance tasks might be, I need to meditate, I need to exercise, whatever, like whatever three maintenance tasks are, right? So the first three is, what is the one big thing that I need to achieve tomorrow? It's generally talking about your most important problem or project, and you want to be spending about three hours on that. The second one is, what are three smaller tasks that I need to do? We all have administrative stuff we need to do. We need to send that email. We need to, I don't know, speak to that accountant. We need to speak to that client, whatever the case may be. And then what are three maintenance tasks to keep the machine running? The machine being me, Mike, my body, my mental health, etc. meditation, exercise. So those are the six prompts. What could I have done better today? What did I do well today? What do I give myself permission to begin again at tomorrow? And then the 333. What is the one big thing that I need to achieve tomorrow? What are the three smaller tasks that I need to do tomorrow? And what are three maintenance things that I need to do to keep the machine running tomorrow? You do this the night before or the late afternoon before so that in the morning the next day, you don't have to think too much and freak out and spiral about what you should do. You've kind of already done that. You've set the intention for tomorrow and now you can kind of forget about it for the evening 
if possible. If you have a family or if you have people that you sort of quote unquote go home to after a workday, another thing that I like to try and do is that uh, whether I'm working at home in the home office or whether I haven't been at home and I'm coming home, I try to do a very quick sort of meditation or breathwork exercise before I get home or before I come out of my home office. I generally don't take more than like three to five minutes with this. And it's really just about trying to shift my state from being in like a work heightened state to coming in and being in a family or, or, or a connected state. Now, if I'm honest about this, like when I'm in a really stressed situation, I go from like a 10 to a 7. When I'm not in a stressed situation, I go from like a 7 to a 3, right? But the point is, it's just a little shift. It's a little shift. And each one of these little shifts, they really do compound. If you don't, and you just kind of rush out of your home office or rush home and get into cooking dinner and with the kids and the family and your spouse or your partner or like whatever it is, it's just this mishmash of compounding sort of tension. If you can take a moment to consciously break one state to the next state, it can really make a big difference. And then if you can connect with people that can help, it's a compounding positive impact. The next thing I want to speak about, which I think is the last thing potentially is, I mentioned this earlier, but it's about getting really intentional about the content that I consume during these heightened times when I need resilience more than ever. For me during this time, it's odd, maybe it's counterintuitive, but I, I cut out just about every bit of content that isn't very specific to shifting my mindset from what is a stressed, heightened fight or flight mindset to a calm, creative, problem-solving mindset, because that's all I really need to do to shift everything. So I cut out business books. I cut out just about everything other than what I know works for me. And I'll get to that in a minute. So when I'm running, I only listen to very specific content. If I'm driving, I'm only listening to very specific content. I take as much opportunities I can to listen to very specific content, but this is not the time for me to be listening to just any old podcast, any old audiobook, music, anything. I really need to get intentional. And for me, there is nothing more powerful than Eckhart Tolle's work. He's most famously known for his book, The Power of Now, but I actually prefer his talks that are sort of, let's say, unscripted. And there's just nothing for me that comes close to his work to shift my mindset from fight or flight and kind of freaking out to calm, optimistic, curious almost, and, and actually grateful ultimately for these very heightened states of stress because it's through that that we grow and that we work. During these times, I, I pretty much limit myself to his content only. I'll create a couple of playlists on YouTube or I'll find some talks. As I said, for some reason, I prefer his talks in these states than his books, but all of his stuff is just absolutely fantastic. Just to give you context, I, I first read his book, I think, when I was about 18 or 19. I'm 40 now. I have literally not stopped consuming his stuff since that point, and it never gets old. I just learn more and more and more about myself and tools to deal with difficult times from from his work. I can't say it's going to work for you, but I really do believe his stuff is universal. It's not like specific to anything I'm experiencing. And it is just deeply, deeply powerful and, and simple, which is which is really what's what's amazing. Part of his work and part of the work that I need to do in these times is to shift my mindset from like trying to like stop the cause of what's causing stress to actually a deep acceptance of it. And to stop trying to resist what's there. It's similar to the brutal truths exercise I spoke about earlier. Only really when we can deeply accept what's in front of us and accept the difficulty can we actually start to creatively, and I don't mean 
artistically, creatively, but I mean, creatively solve the problems in the right way and actually move the needles and take the right action and take the right action in the things that we actually have influence over. And Eckhart Tolle's work is just incredibly, incredibly impactful for me to shift that mindset. Because when we're in this state, a shift in perspective can really be all, all the difference between feeling hopeless or in despair or deeply frustrated to actually quite excited and curious and optimistic about exactly the same data that's in front of you. It's kind of amazing how our brains, our brains work. If you're anything like me, your mind will jump forward and create all kinds of catastrophes in the future probably none of which will ever happen. And if they do happen, when they happen, they'll probably be far less hectic and scary than how I sort of make them feel now. Really what I mean here is like I'm living in the future all the time. I'm living in a catastrophic future that will probably never get here. And if it does get here, I'll actually deal with it. So the work for me is to come back into the present. It's to come back into the now because this is the only thing that exists. The past has happened. The future hasn't. The only thing that ever truly exists is right now. Like that's axiomatic, right? You can't dispute that. Yet if my brain is constantly living in the future, which is what my brain does, some people's brains live in the past, kind of the same thing, then it's not living now, which means you're not allocating all of your resources to actually what's in front of you, which is the only place that you can do the work. So for me, the work is to do the like these tools and these processes and all of these things and resilience is about coming back into the now so that we can actually be creative, focused, and do the work in the moment, which is the only thing that's going to move the needle. Living in the fast of the future doesn't move the needle at all. And that's really the work here. Everything I'm speaking about is, is about that, right? When we're in that state, when we can be in the moment, when we can be present, we hugely increase the ability to make the right decisions, to take the right action, and to ultimately get the right results in our business, in the people we lead, in ourselves, in our families, everywhere. I was super lucky that I got introduced to a lot of these tools when I was really young because of my dad. And I've spent my whole life sort of learning more and more and more. Only in my later adult years did I actually start accepting this stuff as being useful. Obviously, as a young kid and a teenager, I thought this was just dad's nonsense. Now I realize how incredibly useful it is and absolutely critical. And it's it's only recent in my observation that this stuff is becoming mainstream and not being seen as like airy-fairy sort of out there nonsense. This stuff is not airy-fairy. There's a lot of science that backs this stuff up now. This stuff is not separate from being a great leader, a great manager, a great business operator. My view is really strong that we need to view resilience as a core business capability. Like business, as I've said a few times, it's just people doing stuff with other people. If we don't have practices of resilience, if we don't have our own shit together, we're not going to run great businesses. We're not going to build great teams. And... I think without this stuff, not necessarily my specific tools that I've shared today, maybe they're hugely impactful for you, maybe they're not, but without this work on oneself and this bringing ourselves back to the present so that we can not just be living in the past or the future, I think we might be able to go really hard and fast in our businesses for a very short amount of time, but it will not be sustainable. And that's why we see so much burnout and so much mental health issues and so much non-sustainable management and leadership in, in the world is because we don't do the hard work underneath that builds this resilience muscle. So this is a massive subject and I've only shared just a few practical things that I know work for me and I'll never stop working on this. I think my real message here is that we need to build the stuff into our business practices. We need to build the stuff into our leadership teams and our management styles and our management systems because this leads to happier people, more productive people, better teams and ultimately better results in business. I hope something here was useful 
and I'll catch you soon in the next episode. If you want to talk about working with me as a business improvement coach, please reach out either on mike at smbmastery.com.au or you can find me on LinkedIn. Please do share this podcast with whoever you think will get value from it. And if you have five minutes, please do give us a rating and review. They really do help with making the podcast visible. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening and I'll be back soon with the next episode.